You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. Welcome to From the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols, and the inimitable Robert Bricky in the house today. Dave Kaplan, I'm sure, will be around at some point. No. Nope. Is he not? Boone. Oh, he's in bone. Bone. I'm sure. I'm sure hitting a golf ball. Very good. You notice Dave's never just down the street. He's nope. either closing a deal or on vacation. And like, when you say closing a deal, it means he's shaking somebody down. Yeah, because that's kind of how he rolls. He's got somebody's pockets turned inside out. I have spent a lot of my life in sales. I have never seen anybody that is persi- as persistent as Diamond Dave Cavlin. But he's so likable, though. You're exactly. like, you know exactly what he's doing to you as he's doing it. And, and you're he, like, please take my money. And he leaves you in a position like you feel like I want to be Dave's friend. So can I really let him down? I got, I got to go ahead and do this, man. He'll be upset if I don't do this. He'll think less of me. <laughs> well, it's like in the movie Batman when he uh, Batman loses his parents. If it was David Kaplan doing that to him, you wouldn't feel that bad nope. about it, right? Nope. I would agree. So, like, we're called the cheap seats. Seats. We've been doing this for what, like, a year or so now. It's over a year. We got Robert months. Bricky in studio. Trent, Tim Copas is still producing. I feel like our seats have gotten better. We're not still in the cheap seats. I feel like we've moved on up. We're we're almost to the ice, right? So finally you, got a piece of the pie, right? So you were. You on. still have cheap. Seat tickets, but you've managed to move your way down. That's without right. Having to pay the upgrade, just kind of waiting it out. We're basically in the first period, and we've scoped it out. We've moved, we've upgraded, we've moved down closer to the ice. But are we? Uh, did we really move there legitimately, or are we just the guys that snuck down? No, we snuck. No, snuck down. All right. We totally yeah. snuck. That's down. the only way to go. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> we don't want to pay the premium to sit down there. No. no. Yeah, who no, would but do I, that? a little bird did tell me Brandon's tickets got better by a row for by the a row. this year. I went from H to G. I'm going to be high five in the OG. He's the OG of the Kings. Well, the, the best part about his seats, I hope they didn't move you left to right nope. because the best are that he's right by the tunnel. And you know, Trent, yeah. you th- well, all of us sat there at one point yep. and the guys come in and out of the tunnel. You can go over there and hang out with the eight year old kids, you know, trying to hang your hand down there right. and give a high five, whatever. But speaking of the NHL, Las Vegas. What is going on? And I'm going to tell you this weekend, Brandon, you give me grief all the time because you say I'm a hockey hater. I had forgotten, and I I do this every year, I'd forgotten how much I enjoy playoff hockey because in the third period of a tight game, the frenetic pace and the leaving it all out on the ice – it, like you get in wow. the NHL. You yeah. don't see it anyplace else. The final 12 minutes or so of game five of the Tampa Bay-Washington game, oh, my God. 
it's complete chaos. And I've it said for chaos. years that, man, watching playoff hockey it's is, exhausting. is almost, I think it's, to me personally, it's better than March Madness. It's wow. just chaotic. And it's nonstop. They could play for 10 minutes without a break, and it's just like they are going balls to the wall. It really is. And there's more to come in that Eastern Conference series. You've got um, Washington. The Capitals went down 3 0. Mm. And from that point on, do you watch, watch the game? I didn't watch this last one, no. When the Caps went down 3 0, from that point forward, they outshot Tampa Bay 27 to 6 or yeah. some nonsense like that. And it was an absolute onslaught. And up until legitimately the final horn, that game was still in question. Do you guys know what. And they Cle- couldn't pull it off. Do you know what Clemsoning used to be? Yeah. It's exactly what the Capitals are doing right now. Like, See, that's what – I was going to go a different route. I think mentally they're more of the James Harden of last year. Like, I I think they're done. They're really? not going to win. They can't wait 35 minutes to score their first goal. They then need it, to come out and be the ones up 3-0. Right. And it but, feels like they felt like they already won their Stanley Cup. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. just because they got – well, you see franchises that are like that. They had this stigma. They can't get out of the second round. They can't get out of the second round. Pittsburgh, they can't beat Pittsburgh in the playoffs. They got over that hump, and naturally there's a letdown where Tampa's been there. They've done that. They've kissed the cup. They've had their day with Stanley. So now this might be a stepping stone that next year they may get to okay. the finals. Let me ask you a question, Trent. You're the biggest hockey guy in the room, right? Hmm. Not even close. If you're if you have a closet full of maple Le- maple leaf jerseys, how do you feel about the Golden Knights right now? I mean, See, what's what's okay. the thought process going See, through your head? That's the problem, and that's why I was rooting for Winnipeg. Really? Because these guys, there's teams out there that have never won a Stanley Cup. What year did the St. Louis Blues come into the NHL? 1968. Okay, they went to the Stanley Cup three years in a row. The first three years, that was the last team. Every fifty years, nineteen eighteen, the first year a team went to the Cup. The first year they're around nineteen sixty eight. Now two thousand and eighteen. That's knowledge right there. Sixty eight was the Blues, right? Yes, the Blues. The first year they're in. But if I'm a fan, and hockey fans are just like any other sport, they are insanely passionate about their teams. I don't want this. If you have a brand new expansion NFL team, you don't want them going to the Super Bowl. I've spent 40 years waiting for my team to win the cup. I'm not rooting for Vegas. Screw well, that. I think that I think that NHL fans are a lot like college basketball fans. They are they are for maybe even more like Major League Baseball fans. They are fans of their team first, period. NFL fans because it's so obvious and so apparent very early on in the season, they will jump off that bandwagon and they have a second team or a third team. They have an NFC team. They will pull for their division or for their teams in their division to lose. They will find a rooting interest all the way through to the Super Bowl where you can't tell where these fans started because they're on the Philly bandwagon or they're on the New England bandwagon or they hate New England, whatever the case might be. NHL fans – it's it, it's part of your heritage, I think, that you're in it with with your team. But you can watch those commercials 
when they show what does this mean to you to win the cup and the greatest players in the world are speechless yeah and they just break into oh, yeah. tears now to sit there as a fan and say what are these vegas fans well, these vegas players okay Vegas has a chip on their shoulder. All these guys were discarded yes. by their team. So, of course, they're good hockey players. They don't have super superstars, but they're good. But they have a chip. Yeah, so they made a good run, and nobody believed on it. Heck, I should have bet on them. They were 500-1 to 1 to go to the Stanley Cup. But that you chip know? on your shoulder can only carry you so far. Yes. They got – there were a couple things that I'll say about this. First of all, the NHL, the next time that they expand – is going to do this completely differently. Seattle, and don't we, expect to go in 2020 to well, the Stanley and, Cup And you've final. already seen it with the They're NFL. They're stink. Uh, you know, <laughs> we're back to the 90s when Jacksonville and Carolina came in, and the very next year – they're vying for conference championships. Yeah. Well, there was well even the, a- the NFL took note of that. And when the Texans and the Browns came along as the next couple of fr- expansion franchises, how many times has Cleveland been to the playoffs yeah. since then? The, the NHL will react as well because I'm sure that all the rest of those owners are like, ah, wait well, a minute. Well, the this NHL is not cool. did something that no other league did. They said, you have to spend this amount of money on your players. So they wanted more of a competitive team. <laughs> well, guess what? It backfired. Well, you got to get this team. Go the, Brown, the Browns are going to be in the Super Bowl this year because they're on. Oh, hard, absolutely! They're on hard knocks um, <laughs> this season. But you know, there was not for me, but there was even a negative stigma when the the Hurricanes won the Stanley Cup because the feeling was is they weren't in the league long enough. Okay. Right? They were only in there for what 12, 11, 12 years. That last uh, this past year was their twentieth anniversary. And you have to think that in Carolina, in, though, but they were Hartford before, oh, yeah, so yeah, they'd yeah. been yeah. around for so out of history. But you're, you're looking at the fan base, and I think that you point across the, the spectrum, and you know, fans of of Toronto in particular, you know, are going to be looking at these Vegas fans that go crazy if Vegas wins the Stanley Cup, and they're like, man, they there's, haven't paid their dues. There's Toronto fans that lived their whole life without seeing Toronto win a cup. Sure. However, and that's not fair. That said, just to be devil's advocate. I don't think that there's anybody that is a a fan of a team at that type level who is going to turn off the NHL and not follow their team as closely just because Vegas has gotten to where they are. And and Vegas, you know, they're in there with a with a I good shot. I would imagine the they'll finals, be favorites though. to win you the know, win the I, Stanley Cup. It's all sort of aligned for them. Because they're not going to have to play the Penguins. And I said a couple weeks, and I don't pretend to be a hockey savant, but nobody wanted to play the Penguins in the conference finals. That's the team that has the pedigree. That's the team that knows how to get that done. The Capitals are every bit as talented this year. I think you hit on it. They just didn't know how to react, and they're reading their own press, and they're caught up in the Ovechkin stuff. Well, on the Golden Knights – in their own locker room, if you hook these guys up to a lie detector test, mm-hmm. each one of them would rather be doing the same thing in a different jersey. I mean, you they grew up, had to been like pulling for like the Rangers or like right. whoever else, the pen, the pins probably. Um, I don't so, know. But, I mean, to your point, what's the first thing that all these guys did when they got eliminated from the playoffs? They went off to their country team to play in the world championship. Right. You know, these guys would rather be 
in Toronto, the team that they grew up loving, or in Montreal, or in Chicago, or whatever doing this. But, but at the same time, let's not pretend that these traditions that we're creating on the fly with the NHL, let's not pretend that these guys, that any of them grew up as fans of the Tampa Bay Lightning. No, that's why I think NBC is praying the better storyline is Cats. having Ovechkin. Yep. Yep. Ovechkin is the guy. Dude, Ovechkin is Dan Marino and John Elway before Elway won the Super Bowl. I hear you. And I think that would be the perfect storm for them given what they had to choose from at the end. But it ain't going to happen. I don't I, I don't know. I, I, I would love to see Ovechkin but get by there. But if you watched any hockey in the Atlantic, you had to be thinking this. You Where is Tampa Bay right now, even against the Caps? Because I watched them all year long, and they just tore up the league in the Atlantic, well, uh, their conference um, division, sorry. And then when they were two down, I'm like, this this is not over. It's like when um, Ronnie Francis, his first Stanley Cup trip, they won the first game in that one, and everybody was excited. I'm like, they're not winning this series, you know? Tampa Bay is probably going to go ahead and take this season, so you're going to have a Tampa Bay Golden Knights final, Stanley Cup. Oh, yeah. I don't think the Capitals have another. I would be very surprised Monday night if the Capitals win. Tampa Bay has two of the top five players in the NHL. Washington has two of the top ten. Who had the most wins in the NHL this year, this past year? The President's Cup went to Nashville. They had the most wins. But, I mean, Tampa Bay had a hard time because Boston was real good. At one point, Tampa Bay came out on fire. I mean, they were, like, lighting it up. They faded a little bit. Boston got real hot. Boston was kind of the darling of this tournament. Everyone thought they would go to the the Cup. Tampa Bay is a really good team. They have an insanely good coach. And they've been there, done that. Tampa Bay is a great hockey town. Well, Nashville had the most points. Tampa Bay had the most wins. They yeah. won. They walked out of the, the arena with the most wins all year long. All right. Well, we'll come back. Oh. And in the next segment, Robert Bricky may actually speak. Stay tuned and we'll <laughs> see, if, uh, see if he's awake. Krista Lambert, Brandon Atkins, two American patriots trying to make sports talk radio great again. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts. Every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back. If you're listening on WDCC, we invite you out to Libations, purveyors of fine wine craft beers. Every Wednesday night, I'm there hosting... Uh, this coming week, I don't know the date because it's not in front of me, but this week we'll be playing music bingo, and the following week we'll be doing trivia. There's a little while in the uh, later on in the show we'll tease a category, but it's free to play, cool prizes, uh, good excuse to uh, indulge in an adult beverage or two. It's not a bad deal. You never know when an adult beverage will pop up. 
No, yeah, you, you, you never do. You never do. It, it could it could happen on a Monday morning if you're not paying a close enough attention. First thing in the morning. First thing in the morning. Speaking of first things in the morning, Brandon and I had a little adventure that, that spanned an entire day playing in the Temple Theater Golf Tournament. That was a lot of fun. And we played both sessions. And I'm impressed because you are a red-headed, fair-skinned gentleman. You walked out unscathed. I was like purple by the time we got done. I was burnt, burnt. I got some of my dad in me. Dad yeah. had – he was dark-skinned. Mm-hmm. And I burned, but then it it just – I don't get tan, right? But is, it, it, is that like a superpower? It's a superpower. <laughs> it's one of my many. Well, here a week later, I'm kind of feeling myself because I was burnt up, but now I've tanned pretty nicely, yeah. and, and I'm digging it. it it's uh, it, it is my superpower. You look of course, it also comes with you know melanoma down the road, so that's going to happen too. <laughs> you look like I was you got locked in a sauna for like ten hours. Yeah, it was. Like, it was you bad. look bad. I wanted to. I don't know. Well, the the other thing is normally I go out. Well, not normally. A lot of times I'll play with a hat or a visor. I don't know why I decided not to. It probably would have been a good idea to keep a little bit of sun off my face. But had I done that and changed any variable in there, we may not have won the morning session. Very true. And with our our secret weapon, Robert Bricky, um, we went out there. Bricky carried all the did all the heavy lifting, and, and we I walked was there away with comic it. relief. It was. It, we had a lot of fun. No, I was yeah, bad. We had a great but I'll time. tell you. Big Tim, ups to the Lee County manager, John Crumpton, who <laughs> that dude can play some golf. Yeah, that was fun to watch. I mean, yeah. for a guy who can talk about a shot and then execute that same right. shot is amazing, especially mm-hmm. on that course. Well, and you know, talking I'm, about the I'm shot. really impressed the fact he won the putting contest for the day. Oh, that's right. I did. <laughs> And John, John even had – I heard later, John – and first of all, I'm an awful golfer. golfer. So you all know this in the room, but I'm just telling you guys this. I'm awful, but I beat John Crumpton. And he got a, some kind of playoff try. Like they, he, they did do a playoff. He, he was tied a, for second. And he, he had a second <laughs> shot of, of it, and he still came in short yes. of my original putt. I yes. even told him people what to do, and they still couldn't beat me. I know. It was amazing. It was, in it Temple was really Theater, cool watch. Let me let me just say this. Temple Theater, me and Robert Bricky both agree, you have got to have some beer carts out that's there. A, that's and a if tobacco – I'm sorry, I love Tobacco Road, but if they don't allow it out there, you got to find a different venue. Right. I'm sorry. I love Tobacco Road. I send people out there. I just sent some people from Ohio. I ran into them, and they were going down to number six, Pinehurst. And I said, you got to hit Tobacco Road. I send people to you all the time. You have got to allow beer Carts. For, for the well, non golfer like you and I, exactly. That's the only thing that makes it fun. Because after a few holes and you hit, you lose a few ball. You need something to take the edge off. That's right. And you got to have a young lady driving around and delivering beverages more frequently. Well, Chris Brown, who is the uh, superintendent out there, he has said on many occasions he'd be happy to come be on the show. I think we should talk to him. Tobacco Road. For those of you that don't know, Tobacco Road is one of the more notorious golf courses in the Southeast and really the whole country. It's one of the few Strance courses there is, right? Well, and people people come into the area to play this course specifically. Will Ferrell, Michael Jordan, a lot of celebrities come out there, and about 85%, if I'm not mistaken, of the people that play that course come from outside the immediate area because it's so unique. 
top uh, 50 in the world um, a couple of years ago, Golf Architecture Magazine. Yeah. Well, it's also been – I believe it was PGA.com voted it the number one course in the state, even above number two at Ooh. Pinehurst. It's also been recognized as one of the top ten courses that has not yet hosted a PGA event. Um, I don't know that it can host a PGA event without them really working the tee boxes because it is short, and those pros, once they figured out how to do it, they would kill that course because it's it's not very long. Well, But it is a challenge for the average golfer to get out there. And if you want um, – if you like being – driven to the verge of punching yourself in the face as part of your round of golf, it's your cup of tea. I promise. And if you if It'll you make if you got parking concerns, I got plenty of property around there that uh, for sale. There you go. So should I should go play out there. I'll go play Tobacco Road because I have a feeling at some point Brandon's conversation on this show will drive me to the verge of wanting to punch him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that kind of came out of there. He worked hard to set that up too. I'm waiting. I've been waiting know, all weekend. And, and, and I've been Trent, waiting all weekend. And, and Trent is here I know in Brandon is. Here. And at some point, Brandon I'm not is going to scream. Tell I don't want to be the loudest. LeBron James. I, w- I wonder is. how much. Yeah, I don't want to talk the loudest. I don't want to win because I'm, I'm loud. I'm wondering how much Celtics gear he'll be wearing next Monday when we take. We, take we about the show. to find out. Shoot, you know what? Next Monday, I might not have to because they'll be on a plane to Oakland getting ready to play Golden State. Wow. You know, Britton Buchanan uh, performed his first song on The Voice about what the Celtics are in. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give it a shot. Trouble, 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 trouble. Does well, that sound good? So that, so that we're 100% clear, as of this taping, Cleveland is up 2-1. No, excuse me, excuse me. Boston is up 2-1. And Golden State is up 2-1. Now, by the time a lot of y'all hear this, things will have changed significantly. But we want you to know that we're dealing with the facts as they stand right now. I'm going to say, before we go any farther with all this, I told y'all a week ago that at some point, Cleveland was going to shoot 50-55% from three, and they were going to win a game. And if they could do it four times, they were going to win this series. That's what happened. Brandon, please elaborate as to how LeBron James made all this happen all by himself. Okay, before I become my obnoxious (laughs) self, I just want, without swaying the crowd, I want to hear what Robert thinks about the series. I just want to hear a non-biased opinion. Well, I think you probably should have pre-gamed this and found out before you started talking. No, well, Robert had Toronto, Philly, and Cleveland not making the finals. So. Oh, unbiased. Wrote, Go ahead. by the way, he wrote that down. You see he just referenced notes. He's always concerned about the facts. I keep telling him, make up stuff as you go. That's right. <laughs> I think when we talking about this in the parking lot, they've been so anticlimactic. I thought the Golden State-Houston series would be a war. It's been terrible. Boston-Cleveland, terrible. So I've literally not watched an entire game because when somebody's down 15 to 20, I just don't have an interest. And uh, so that didn't answer your question, but I think uh, the teams that have shot well have won the game. Uh, Golden State shot a little over 50% last night, Houston 36. 
It's all you need it's to not know. Not rocket science. It's all okay. you need to know. Okay. Do you think Cleveland's defense had anything to do with that in Game Three? I think they played better than they did in Game Two, but not great. I just think Boston missed some shots. So from Game Two, in which the Celtics had forty-two uncontested shots, till Game Three, in which almost every shot was contested, it's a thirty-point blowout. Do you guys not see any direct? Correlation. Oh, there's, there's certainly the defensive energy <laughs> had something to do with that. But the bottom line, if you take this game and you extract that, because they finished, what, 17 for 34 from three? But they started like 9 of 12. And once you get on a roll like that and and Boston started playing and, and, and was panicking a little bit, I mean, that game was over pretty quick because all four of these teams – are good enough and have enough offensive weapons that if they get up 15 or 20 it's lights out. Right. They they're not these teams are not going to choke away a lead. These are I, I think it's fair to say the four best teams in basketball. You could make an argument for one or two other teams to be thrown into that, but as they were playing down the stretch with the exception of probably Philly, these are probably the four best teams in basketball. So they're not going to gack away a 15 or 20 point lead and they know that about one another. And you see game three with Houston and Golden State. Like you said, Robert, you look at, you know, Golden State shoots 50-plus percent. Houston shoots 36 percent. You don't need that. You don't even need to watch the game. You know what happened. The other thing with the Houston game, and I, I will get back to that whole Cleveland thing in a second, is Houston in the first two quarters, bunny after bunny after bunny. They just had layups that were rimming out. Um, in some cases, the defense changed the shots. In others, they just rolled out. Well, it's kind of like layups. what Robert was saying. Like the games are hard to watch. As soon as I saw Steph Curry doing his shimmy, right? You know, I it turned it. Yeah, I turned it. I'm like, dude, this is over. And what's frustrating for me is we're about to hit the dog days of summer when it comes to sports. So I need these last games to be really good to carry me until. I don't know, maybe the three on three. Oh I don't my watch God, baseball go. or you know, so it's there's not much to watch in terms of sports come a month from now. So you're not excited about baseball getting ramped up? No. Ah, I feel you. So but Chris, if I were to tell you that LeBron would have forty two, twelve, and ten. And they would have they won the game? 42, 12, and 10. Yeah. If they shot 50% from three, I guarantee they won. We'll finish that thought on the other side. You're listening from the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Imagine if I told you that an earthquake was going to hit tomorrow right where you live. That it would be 6.5 in magnitude with aftershocks occurring twice 25 minutes apart. You'd no doubt talk with your loved ones and you'd make a plan today. It's true, I can't tell you an earthquake will happen tomorrow. But what if it does? Shouldn't you have a plan? Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. When it comes to saving money, don't act like a baby. Goo goo gaga. Be the boss and make a budget. I'm the boss, baby. You're the boss of me. I am the boss of you. Are not. M2. Are not. M2. Ah! 
Need a little help? Aren't you going to do any work? I'm very busy delegating. Create a personalized savings plan. We can share. You obviously didn't go to business school. And get other tools and tips at feedthepig.org. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. When it comes to saving money, don't act like a baby. Goo goo gaga. Be the boss and make a budget. I'm the boss, baby. You're the boss of me. I am the boss of you. I'm not. M2. I'm not. M2. Need a little help? Aren't you going to do any work? I'm very busy delegating. Create a personalized savings plan. We can share. You obviously didn't go to business school. And get other tools and tips at feedthepig.org. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today, or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. And now, from Sanford, North Carolina, Chris Lambert and Brandon Atkins. I got money, I got fame, fast cars and everything. Yeah. Alright, welcome back. Whether you're listening to us on WDCC, WBLZ, or on the podcast, we appreciate it one way or the other. And if you're ever wondering if there really is saltiness going on between Professor Trent and Brandon Atkins, I can tell you that it extends beyond the on-air debates to off-air. And then there are things like just happened while we were in the midst of a conversation and Trent rolls up the uh, the intro in the middle of Brandon talking. <laughs> no, he was done. No, no was he was good. not done. He was in, like in mid-syllable. Oh, no, here's I'm the sorry. deal. Like, we, like Tim Copist him. Yes. Trent is like dying. He's got a thesis written over there. He's got a notebook full of notes. He's trying to tell me something about how uh, the Celtics are going to win this series. So let's live him, give him this opportunity to to school us on all the notes he's got written down over there. He's even got notes about what Bricky said like three weeks ago. Okay, I, I, I'm going to do that, but I want to I want to temper that because I want to say two things. In this day and age, the NBA is about superstars. Do we all agree? Yeah. Okay. Yep. The strength of the supporting cast is important, but if you take the best five or six players in the NBA today, or you take the best five or six players in the NBA 20 years ago, if their supporting cast comes out and shoots 50% from three-point land, they're going to win. I mean, I can't, I can't think of a game through this playoff where a team came out and shot 50% or better from three-point land and lost. And that just becomes amplified when you get to this level and you've got the best four teams in the NBA, arguably, at this point. So I do think that Cleveland fans and Cleveland supporters need to dial it back just a second because I don't think anybody thinks Cleveland's going to come out there and night in, night out, shoot the way they did from three moving forward through this series. However, I'm here to tell you, and and Brandon, I'm going to jump on this with you, until the Celtics beat LeBron four times, they have not beaten LeBron. And I'm not going to believe 
in my heart of hearts that it's going to happen until I see it. Now, Trent, you got a whole bunch of numbers you want to try it out. You talk to well, us. Well, no, I mean, hey, before you oh, well, launch, maybe you're not going to talk to no, us. No, you ever. will. But before you launch, all I'll say is you you keep talking about shooting, and I agree. If it's going in the hole, then there's nothing you can do about it, right? But the defense, <clears throat> excuse me, the defense was the biggest difference in Game Three, and more specifically, the defense on Horford was the biggest difference. They had no answer for Horford. Game and two. Until Absolutely. game three. Yeah. So, no, anyway, I'll give you no, the floor. They shut down Horford in two as well. He wasn't – until the fourth quarter, he wasn't who Al Horford had been in game one. But – so, but that's the point. Cleveland's not going to shoot 50%. They have not done it two games in a row at all this whole season. Their starters – or they have not had five players – in double figures all season consecutive in consecutive games okay their defense was better but what history have we seen from the Cleveland Cavaliers that shows you that they will maintain and be able to play that defense okay. yeah I know let me, like, let me stop you right there hold, like only only um not but just no, in but Cleveland hold on one but, second. but hold on hold on seven trips to the NBA finals that's fine is the history we're talking about that's right fine. now I know that's not just with Cleveland so why but this man LeBron James has been in the Eastern Conference Finals what how many times in the last 11 years straight so that, Brandon that man when, has been in the Eastern Conference Finals when, when LeBron James had a triple double they lost by 13. So he sucks. No. So he's, he's the greatest player on basketball I've, right now. No, I've heard some of this before. Like so But what do you become so good at other, some point where LeBron you can't game, you can't give him he, he you he become so good he, he becomes win problematic. He can't win. Yes, absolutely. Cuz he doesn't like, I mean, what is no, he supposed to do? Start he, scale his game back? I mean, I've heard this he dialogue win it by over the last over the last week, I've heard this that he's so good that he's hard to play with. What the? He's got. He leads. I think he's got the assist. Has he made Kevin Love better in his career? He's yeah, got Kevin one more Love ring. Looks horrible. He's got one more ring because of LeBron. Playing. So he he looks so. Horrible. He hasn't made. Ask Charles Barkley. Ask Carl Malone if that's better. a big deal. He didn't make Kevin Love better. Okay. All right. This is devolved into. Well, I know I haven't. He's he's wanted me to talk, but he's not letting. <laughs> All right, me. That's, he thinks that's that a that fair I'm statement. Hey, but that was a fair problem. statement. But you guys are completely no, off track. Because I know here, because I'm not talking about LeBron. I'm I, not dis. I'm not dissing LeBron. I'm telling you how the Celtics could win this series. Okay, how you can't think that because they won by thirty. The series is over, and LeBron, LeBron, no, whoa, whoa, unfortunately, whoa, whoa. needs the rest of his team to perform to win. Okay, right? and right. I here I'm, I'm gonna say two things. First of all, he asked you a fair question, or it was me. I don't even remember because that was painful for the last two or three minutes. Here's the thing: LeBron is going to get his, yeah. and whether that's and they 42 and a triple double, or whether it's 27. And moving the ball is one thing. Here's the deal. When it comes to the Celtics winning, you say, well, they can count on Cleveland not shooting 50% again. Well, not necessarily. Cleveland, over the course of the next four games, could come out and shoot 50%. And if they do, they're probably going to win this thing. LeBron 
to give him credit for this victory is fair, but LeBron can come out and put up 50. If that team around him plays like they do in games one and two, it's not going to be enough. So the the question I have is how much of Cleveland shooting 50% had to do with solving the Boston defense? How much of it was dumb luck? How much of it had to do with venue? Because I'm not convinced at this point, having seen Boston's shooting performance on the road versus home, what's going on in their heads. So what happened in the beginning of the game? Boston went down the court and they tried to shoot jump shots, right? Yes. Whenever they beat Cleveland before, that's not the way that they played. Yes. So Boston was not playing their game. So what you're telling me Their is, defense was the worst that it had been all. Agreed. And Cleveland's defense has been the best. And all of their players were on. So, yes, Boston's horrible. They may not win in Cleveland, but they still have two home games that they have a shot okay. to win. So my only thing, because I don't feel like I'm going to be able to talk everything that I want to say. Go ahead. Go for it. I'm just going to say, if Cleveland can come out and blow them out by 30 – Cleveland will win this series. Really? If Boston performs and it's a close game and they still lose, Boston will still win, potentially could still win this series. Okay, so I want to tie this into what we were talking about earlier with the Penguins versus the Capitals. The Penguins are a team that has the pedigree. They're not rattled in big moments. And I think it's fair to say that even though this is a different-looking Cleveland team, the three or four most important components on that team have been there before. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about LeBron, Kevin yeah. Love, Jarrah Smith, Tristan Thompson, Kyle Korver, those guys have been down this road before. They have the most unflappable center of gravity on that team that if Cleveland gets to a game seven, I don't like Boston's chances. Doesn't matter if they play it in Boston, if they were playing it in Cleveland, Neither if they were I. playing it on the moon, I wouldn't if they played playing it in Cameron Indoor. Guys, I, this, I, I think that, that this game is going to be decided in game five. Whoever wins game five. I think this game, this series is decided. Cleveland's going to win this game. I honestly don't. I mean, I see where you're going with this. I don't know if it matters if they win by 40 or half a point. The series is going to be. Determined in game five. I couldn't, I I, I honestly, and this isn't just picking at you, I could not disagree more. I really couldn't. First of all, I'm not ready to give Cleveland game four right away anyway. They're not going to be. Terry Rozier said we needed to get our butts kicked. And maybe he was right. We're going to see this young, inexperienced team and their ability to bounce back after getting popped in the mouth. We're going to see how they respond. Yeah, but that's and then something from that, that point on. If it's a close game, I think it plays to Boston's psyche very well. But game five, if Boston wins game five, they still have a game seven looming. Yeah. And how Boston plays in a game seven is completely up in the air. So if they drop, if Cleveland holds serve at home and it goes to two, Boston wins game five, that series is far from over. Yeah. But That's so just my feeling. Here's the other deal, too. If you listen to everybody from the head coach for Boston on down, all they said is, we got to look at the tape. We have to adjust. So let's see. How are they going to adjust? They know they didn't play their best game. Yeah, they got their butt kicked. But now both these teams know exactly what all of 
each other brings. Yeah, but what would I but if you said you have to put money down on who's going to win, dude, my money's still with LeBron, dude. Wow. He still so, he could still go to the finals. Would I like that? No, because I think Cleveland will get swept in the next round. I think Boston gives us a better shot of having a better fi- a better finals. This I agree with. 100%. So, Finish your thought. Uh, well, just, uh, what Rozier said, you made reference to, like, hey, we needed to get our butts kicked. That's something that Kevin Durant could would say. And we have a mailman in our, in our like, studio He's right now. He's about to come on the air if he doesn't quit messing around in there. Yeah, come on in. need an autograph? Come on. We need it. Come need, on. Yeah, come on. We're, we're, so, Kevin Durant, <laughs> Steph Curry can get away with saying we need to get our butts kicked. Rogier with the Celtics? Like, I mean, come on. You're going to have Rogier. So, here's our mailman. Hey, come here. What's up? What's up? What's your name? How you doing? Edward. 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 Everett. Everett. Get right up on the mic. So, right up here's on the, mic. the deal. Okay. Boston, Cleveland. It's 2-1 Boston right now. What's going to happen? First of yeah, all, is that a bill? Is that a bill? Because you can take that on back with check, you. Oh, it's a check. Oh, right. Okay. Check. We'll take check. To me. Don't worry. Ah. Well, um, to me, Cleveland is going to come back and roll. That's what I'm talking about. Why? Because uh, you got to give the fan a good game in Boston. You know, so that's what they're doing. Because the NBA is all about (laughs) You got to look at the statistics. You got to beat LeBron. Man, if you ain't beat LeBron, but you ain't doing nothing. So, but right now, but everything's still favoring LeBron. That's what I Boom, That's it. drop the mic. Well, and I'm going. <laughs> the man delivered not only money to the studio, he delivered money, baby. The mailman. That, that's what I'm, the show had not been better until he just walked in here, Absolutely. dropped us a check. Trent might be fired. The, Boom. I'll, I'll leave. I don't know, man. I might be. I feel like I'm not on my A game. Maybe I should get fired because I feel like I'm saying the same thing over and over and over because it's the truth. Like, I mean. But so the Celtics aren't good enough to beat LeBron James. If you look at it, I'm impressed but with LeBron needs I'm, all those uh, other guys. Yeah. You just keep talking like LeBron's not going to go out there and score 115 me, points. He just scored 27 points and let they me, won. Let me make an analogy. He had a triple double whoa, and they whoa, lost. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me let me let me make an analogy here so, that maybe we'll frame this no. in a way that we can all agree on. <sighs> Hold on. All agree. My okay, mind. wait a minute. Let me let me ask you this. In Sunday's game, if or was it Saturday? Was it Saturday? It so was all the way back to Saturday. Can't keep my days straight. If that Cleveland team came out and you plugged in, you took LeBron off that team, and you plugged in KD, if you plugged in Westbrook, if you plugged in Anthony Davis, and all of the guys around him shot the way they shot the ball, any one of those teams would have beat Boston. Yeah. That's the thing. It was and that's not taken away from LeBron because no. LeBron is that guy. I, we'll finish that thought. We'll wrap it up for WBCC listeners on the other side. And Bricky, I don't know how we did 15 minutes on basketball without you. Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkins always help me with my draft picks, but I sure wish they would stop hanging out with Zeke Elliott. When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. 
If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. But if you really want to know what's going on, Professor Trent, they should listen to you and me, Diamond Dave Kaplan. We've got a better grasp on sports, I think. It's astute analysis. Welcome back to right, From the Cheap Seats. You're listening to WDCC. This is the final segment. Follow us on over to the worldwide interwebs. That's a... Paying homage to Tony Bruno, man. I miss. You remember Tony Bruno when he was on Fox? He was like the bomb. Back when Andrew Siciliano was like his oh, yeah. sidekick, and now Andrew Siciliano has one of the coolest jobs around. With the what's he do? Red Zone. Yeah, I, I believe anyway, so. Anyway, this guy's got gigantic ears. Um, and since we're talking about other networks and things like that, there's a whole beef going on with Stephen A. Smith and Trey Wingo right now. I want to talk about on the. Really? In the final hour. Yeah, yeah. It's, That's uh, kind of juicy. Yeah, Stephen Smith got his feelings hurt a little bit, and um, and, and I'll, I'll recap that for you. Chris, you made a really good point by putting all these other superstars on this current Cleveland team. Dur- Durant, you said you mentioned Westbrook. Yeah, if the same cast of characters shoot over 50% or 50% from the three-point line, sure. But the first thing that popped into my mind, would this team – Win with any of those other stars. That's what I was going to say. I disagree with your statement because LeBron is a playmaker. Thank you. Think about nobody else on that Cleveland team puts the ball <laughs> on the floor or passes it and makes anybody better. LeBron is a playmaker. So he'd rather distribute first, but he understands he has to be aggressive offensively right now. So – I think if you add Anthony Davis or any of those guys you mentioned, they don't make the second round of the playoffs. Okay. Brick, Brick, uh, make sure you're factually correct because I see some jotting down going no, over no, here. No, no, Trent, no. I, Trent's writing some stuff down. Again, I'm not concerned Brick, about facts. Brick, <laughs> have you, can you think of one score slash distributor of the ball that's better than LeBron James? I mean – the, There's like, nobody like him. He's LeBron, uniquely gifted I, to do what he does. And and I was I was gonna jump on with what you said. Is LeBron? I want you to validate this statement or invalidate it, Bricky. I would say LeBron is the best passing forward I've ever seen. Is that fair? Correct. I would I would agree with that. Boom. Okay. Okay. And I know it, that makes uh, Brandon happy. I'm done. But go I'm ahead. done after this because it's. Like talking to a wall. Well, no, but hey, right, I, I want to hear what you got to say, Trent. Okay, then but shut honestly, up and listen. But I, <laughs> Jesus. See, here's the deal. Before you say what you got to say, like, what in what way can LeBron win in your eyes? Like, does he score a lot? Because that's obviously okay. a problem. Does he pass Brandon. the ball a lot? Is that Brandon. a problem? So hey, Trent, I'm interested win? to hear what you I have don't. to say, too. Trent, no, so I'm I'm gonna, gonna, I, want to, I want you to go ahead and talk. I'm going to go interested. LeBron Trent, cry, I'm cry baby. Yeah. Trent, I'm interested to hear what you say. Exactly. Go, say your piece. I might go LeBron crybaby and just not talk. 
You know, just like I got fouled every time I try to talk. Jeez. Listen. The hater ain't. What does LeBron do to make them win? Okay, he had nine assists in the first game. They lost by 20. He had 12 assists in the second game. They lost by 13. He had 12 assists in the third game. They lost by 30. Or they won by 30. So what the heck else does LeBron need to do? He doesn't have to do nothing. He can't go over there and shoot for J.R. Smith. He can't play defense for Tristan Thompson. He can't shoot for Kyle Culver. He can't shoot and do the plays that George Hill did. It's not about LeBron. I'm not dissing LeBron. I'm saying if the Cavs don't show up on defense, if they don't try and those other guys don't score, they're not going to win. So Plain and simple. So basically, It's not about LeBron. LeBron can do everything. He had a triple-double. They lost by 13. So J.R. Smith got beat up a little bit in the wake of Game 2 coming into Game 3 and said, we have to keep LeBron from playing hero ball. Exactly. And we've he got came to out empower him, but we've also got to make sure that we perform so that he can trust us. Basically, that was perfect analysis by J.R. Smith because that's the thing that the LeBron defenders and the LeBron supporters, I think, aren't hearing in this is LeBron is doing – has done and can be expected to do everything for the Cavs. And he's done it. He's been the best player in this. The number one thing that, and you hit on early on, the number one thing the Cavs have done is taken Al Horford out of the game. Yes. And he's the the Celtics rock. So if the coaching staff gets together for Boston in 48 hours and they figure out how they can get Al Horford, then the Celtics have a shot. But... Why would a coaching staff for Cleveland have to say, my guys have to be tougher. I have to motivate my guys. I need effort. No. these Yes, they need effort. But can they and will they mentally, if their shots aren't falling early, be able to give that effort the whole game? Or are they gonna, they're going to stand around and not play defense again? If they get rattled and they don't make their shots early, the Celtics have a chance. I think it all comes down to defense. By the way, side note, J.R. Smith shouldn't have even played in Game 3. Agreed. Dirty play a, he put on he Al Horford. suspended, but. I don't know. I don't know what is a flagrant versus what what is anymore because that's career ending type stuff. What he did right. to Al Horford, but and and the other side note is Rodney Hood, dude. I would if I was if I owned the Cavs, he'd be on a bus or a plane somewhere. Okay. But I would feel the good if he refused to go in the game. I pull him to the side. You might as well pack your bags because you're not. You won't be here next year. Because that's both. You get paid. That's your job, and you refuse to do your job because of whatever reason you're going through. So you got to go. The young players on the the and Celtics these, have these to feel confident that no matter what, LeBron I mean, got a triple double. They can still win the game. So LeBron can do everything he has to do. They've just got to contest more shots. 92% of their shots contested in the second half in game two. They've got to play better defense, and they have a shot of winning. Will they do it? Guess we'll find out. When you play with a guy who can really handle the ball and really facilitate, it makes the game so much more fun and so much easier. So literally on offense, you got to catch and shoot. 
He's going to find you. I mean, like, so it makes no sense that you can't give effort on the defensive end because LeBron's doing most of the work on the offensive end. And in the on the first game, LeBron had seven turnovers. In the second game, he had five turnovers. Heck, in game three, he had six turnovers. So what I'm hearing is this all boils down to defense because defense affects shooting. If you go game seven in this series and then say you go game seven against, which is not likely, against Golden State, you add those up, that's 11 games. You got to look at it like that. You got to go, this season ends at max with 11 games. You got to ratchet your defensive efforts up every game because you've played a long season already, 82 games plus the playoffs that you've already played. Just look at it like 11 games and start playing some D. When Rodney Hood can't switch over to the left wing to guard an open three-pointer by Rozier in game two, dude, get out of here with that. Like you gotta. I think them having only one day off in between every game for the rest of the series is actually – hurts Cleveland more than it would I, hurt Boston. I agree. Absolutely. I agree. Absolutely. Those are older legs, and, and Boston's a lot deeper. But here in today's NBA, and, and I want to hear Bricky comment on this, but in today's NBA, offenses are, are built to create mismatches on switches and to find open shooters beyond the three-point arc. That's the primary objective of these offenses. You're not even, in most cases, you're not trying to find a cutter to the rim. You're not trying to dump it down to the post. That's what offenses do. So when it comes to defense, there is one thing to be a skilled defender, whether you're Kawhi Leonard, Andre Roberson, you know, these guys that make their money being able to be lockdown defenders in ISO situations. But defense, by and large, in the NBA is a team effort and it requires communication, vision, and effort. What's the big the effort being the biggest part of it? Because you don't have to be a skilled defender at all to close down on a three-point attempt. I agree. And what's the biggest difference between a regular season game and a playoff game? Is that they're closing out on those threes. Yep. That they're actually taking those extra two or three steps and extending their arm and closing out on those. Now, Boston... I think it would be fair to say that their defensive effort in Game 3 wasn't quite as good as it had been in 1-2, but it wasn't dramatically different. The difference is is that Cleveland hit those shots, contested or not. In the very first the first four or five minutes of Game 1, Cleveland was hitting those shots. And I was like, uh-oh. You know, this this Boston miracle ride with all these injuries is finally going to come to an end. And then Boston just went crazy. And then it extended into game two. But then in game three, Cleveland got home, got comfortable. J.R. Smith, Kevin Love, Kyle Corbett, LeBron, they're hitting threes from they everywhere, three contested or not. Well, and I might be wrong about this, but this is why I think game five is so critical. Celtics visibly feed off their home crowd. Like, I mean, it's so obvious. That's why I say it's all going to be cited in game five because if Cleveland goes beat them, beats them in their element, I don't see them – then that gives Cleveland an opportunity to end it in their oh, house. Yeah. Oh, brother. It, now, and, to, and to that effect, if Celtics win that game, then in the back of their minds, you know, they can they can game plan totally differently because they know by then that they got to come back to Boston. Yeah. If Cleveland wins game five, that's if if Cleveland wins the next two games and goes 3-2 up, oh, it's right. over. 
It, it, there's no way Boston beats What's them so twice. There's, there's no chance. Boston had 28 road wins this year, which was third best in the NBA. They were the third best team on the road Got in it. the NBA this year. And they can't seem to pull one out except for against well, Philly. Well, they but Kyrie. here's the other thing, too, though, is that in the playoffs, this is a – this we've lost sight of the fact this is a shorthanded Boston team. Follow us over to the web if you're on WBCC. We'll see you later. WBLZ, keep on riding with us. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. You know what really gets a party started? Indoor baseball. Yeah, just find a broom or a pool cue, and you can use, like, anything as a ball. Cans, bottles, shoes. Hey, bro, toss me that avocado. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Underage drinking and driving, the ultimate party foul. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. I'm Chris DeLambert. I'm Brandon Atkins. I'm Professor Trent Nichols. Coming to you from the cheap seats. Welcome back to the second hour from the cheap seats. Bricky, I'm a little, uh, I don't know, man. <sighs> a little sad that you're not included in that bumper there. You know what? Uh, in my upcoming contract renegotiation, we needed to discuss some of these things. We can do that, man. We can. Wait, make that's that long overdue. We need, especially that last one. We need to get that fraggle off that that voice. Oh my God, this but dude is we need so to get, caught we need, up. We need to get Robert on some of the intros, and we need to get Trent drinking because this is the second hour, so we're a little bit more wide open. And there has been some imbibing going on around the table. Except that Trent, I thought maybe you had to go to work when we got done. I know that no, shouldn't matter. No. No, I gotta, I'm just Dude, nervous for tonight. Guys, I got so drunk that I actually dreamed that a mailman came in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> Everett dropping knowledge, baby. And a check. Yes, yes. And this is That's the last of the, of the uh, dodgeball sponsorship checks. I've been waiting on this. It's only a month late. Good looking out, well, Sanford Herald. The mailman <laughs> delivered. I mean, all he said was, "Is like, come on, man. It's LeBron James. <laughs> That's all you need to say. Dude, he was on point, though. He said... The NBA has to give Boston some love. Take care of those people. Conspiracy, dude. All right. Here's the only NBA I want to talk about right now. Um, the draft combine is coming on. And there were a couple things that surprised me. Robert Bricky months ago said that the only chance that Marvin Bagley third would not go number one was if somebody fell in love with Mo Bamba. You probably don't I remember do saying that. I was sober. Bamba, in that time, has sort of fallen in the collective wisdom down to that fourth or fifth spot. However, 
at the combine. <laughs> Bamba measured oh with a wingspan of seven foot ten. Oh, and I'm going to tell you, that's pterodactyl like. It's pterodactyl like. That may put him back up into the discussion as one of the top two or three players in the draft. I will tell you, buyer beware. Because I can't think of a big man without a well-rounded offensive game who has gone in a position like that and warranted that pick. It's always those project big men. Yeah. Who was the last project big man that worked out in the NBA Manute and became Bowl. a star? No, nah, come on. Bo was no. never. Bo was always just going to be a, a freak show defender. Right. But we well, always the big men are the, always the ones where it's projects. You don't ever hear about well, we're going to take this guy and plug him in at point guard or at two Trey or three Young. four. Shut up, Robert. <laughs> no, I think but, – But my point with the big man is, is you see Mo Bamba, who is unbelievably raw, has some talent, works hard on the boards. I don't see enough offensive game to warrant him being taken at the top of the draft. But that wingspan could okay. ignite. The, the rim protector has gone the way of the dinosaur. Yep. But I think there's value in it. Because Maybe he is not. a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes those kids' birth certificates are a little funny. He might be 37. <laughs> but I think this value, uh, DeAndre Jordan, who would not kill to have him on their team? Rempert, no offensive skill. None. But you, you pick and roll. You got to guard it, which opens up the opposite side, Jay. Well, the other thing, too, with DeAndre Jordan is that DeAndre Jordan – is a blessing for whomever he's playing for because he doesn't need the ball in his right. hands to be happy. He can get out there and throw somebody's shot into the third row. He'll get you a putback. He finishes on the break, but he's not screaming and crying because he doesn't get 35 isos on the offensive end each right. night. Andre Drummond, a little bit more skilled, but the same type player. Those are the guys you're looking for. So maybe Bamba's willingness to be that type guy moving forward. Right. You know, when I look at the guy that I look at who reminds me most of Bamba right now today is Clint Capella. Mm -hmm. He's a long athlete, long arms, works hard. Capella doesn't demand the basketball. No. And Capella has parlayed, you know, G League status, unsigned free agent, sitting on the end of the bench into what will be a multi, multi, multi million dollar deal in this offseason. Trent actually threw a proposition out there and said, well, you know, why not take a look at bringing Capella into Boston if some salary cap stuff type works? It, who knows? But the Bamba issue, where do you see him now having seen a full season of college basketball at the next level? I think you're right. I think the uh, experts have nailed it. He's dropped. He's not a top five pick. I, I'd probably take him somewhere of eight, nine. But that's based on your workout. You got to get him in. You got to see where his skill set is, and can he get better from there? Do you have the personnel to help him get better? Yeah. If so, maybe you slide him up a few spots. But I think it, eight, nine, ten is right for him right now. Okay. Now I want to pat myself on the back because I done told y'all <laughs> Trey Trey Young wasn't six foot two. He's not six foot three. He's not six foot anything. He's six foot one half inches. Trey Young, of all the other things he's got going against him, is too little 
to play in the NBA. He's only Am that tall because of his hair. Right. Oh, right. Worst He's got hair. the worst hair, bro. Agree, disagree, Robert Bricky. I agree. And, okay, they, there were comparisons to Steph Curry earlier. <laughs> I'm just telling you. Not that I agree, but because you take deep shots like Curry like, but Curry can beat you off the dribble. I have yet to see Trey Young use his shooting ability to set up his drive. And Curry's super smart. His IQ is amazing. So, and he can pass. Even though Trey Young had some games where he had uh, don't don't even don't even try to give him credit. But just don't. I just don't see where it's a combination of undersized, not fast enough, not athletic enough. I don't think he has enough to get over the hump. Well, the what? fact that we're even talking about this guy is kind of depressing. He's just not that good. He'll be out of the league in maybe three years. He'll be right, he'll be let out. Me, let me say this to him now. We'll have a team in January in Raleigh. If he needs a place to land, That's what I'm talking I'll about. give him a tryout. I like that. When I see Trey Young, the player that I most liken him to that's come out in the draft in the last couple of years is not Steph Curry. It's not Damian Lillard. It's not any of these household name point guards that you equate him to. And first of all, let's talk about Steph Curry. Steph Curry looks, if you take that beard off of him, like he's 14 years old. Right. He's still getting in trouble with his mom for cursing. cursing. He is. But the thing, Steph Curry is not 5'11". Steph Curry is not six foot. Steph Curry is about 6'3". Okay? So, yes, he in the land of the Giants, Steph Curry is not a big guy. But two or three inches – and, and, makes and height and length make a whole lot of difference. The guy that Trey Young reminds me most of in terms of his college game is Tyus Jones. Hmm. And Tyus Jones has carved out a little bit of a career for himself, and he's sitting on a bench out there. This is year three for him. Right. But he's not getting significant minutes. And I don't see – I have yet to see Trey Young do anything on a basketball court. I didn't see Tyus do – when he was at Duke, right? Well, you're, I think you're talking about scoring because Tyus, he's got a true everybody. Point. Yeah, he yeah. was a true point guard. He got everybody involved. He would get his points. I'm talking um, about in terms of athleticism, right? I'm, yeah. I'm not talking about in terms and of that'll, basketball and that'll be IQ. His drawback in the league, he's he can't blow by people, and well, you've got to be able to do. That. I'm talking about uh, Tyus Jones. Yes. yes. He, you got to be able to put the ball on the floor and create for others or yourself. He doesn't have that gear. Yes. And and when I look at Steph Curry, here's the other piece of that, too. Is Steph Curry, whether he was at Davidson, whether he was on some very okay Golden State teams in his first year or two, or whether he was on the those Golden State teams that were on the cusp and were the sexy pick, or whether he's on these great Golden State teams, there is no doubt that he is one of the centers of gravity on that team, and people are like, that's our guy. Well, you brought we'll up. go to war with this dude. Yeah. And then you watch Oklahoma, and you're like, Psh. And it's pretty obvious that the other four guys on the floor and 11 guys on the bench are like, this MF. Yeah. If your best, if I'm a GM, if your best players coming into the draft are bigs, I trade out. Like, when has it every, ever worked since Anthony Davis is the first one in the like? Carl what? Anthony Towns, DeMarcus Cousins. Towns, yeah, they're Joe all right. Embiid. 
Yeah. Towns is on the trading block. Yeah, I mean, they're okay. You're, Towns is on the trading block because Tom Thibodeau's an asshole. Yeah. Right. Well, you need the you need those players, but the big the the big swing guard forward shooting guard is the most valuable and hard to find position. So is it in Bagley the Junior the third? Here's the here's what uh, here's where I'm gonna I'm gonna clarify for you because I think I know what you're saying. If you can get a big shooting three or four, which means that we're talking six nine, six ten, maybe even six eight. If you can get one of those guys that has that type of length, those guys are the most valuable players in the NBA right now. Because you're talking about LeBron James, Kevin Durant, those type of guys. When you when you say bigs, I think what you're talking to is low post presence type players. Right. Bricky, you have said this a couple of times and schooled us all. And it doesn't matter in today's NBA what else you can do. If you can't shoot the mid-range and the three-point shot, you're of very little value. Right. Unless your name is Anthony Davis and you have that type impact, and those guys just don't fall off trees. But look at it this way. like Let's say you have all these players. You Say you have a core of a team. You can go out and rent a Dwight Howard. You know what I mean? He, he played pretty well in Charlotte. Like, I mean – the bigs, unless you're an Anthony Davis, I, I put him above and beyond all these other bigs because that dude is just okay. Yeah, he's, filthy. he's Superman. But that's why you see bigs shipped around the league more than any other players. They rarely like dictate where they go, right? Yeah. Because they're just a commodity, which is good to have. But you can't build a team around a big anymore. I, I kind of agree with you. Except that you and I have had this conversation 50 times, that you're sort of 6'4 to 6'7 swing man that can shoot and score. In theory, they grow on trees. But you should they, be able to find no, them. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Them. I'm talking about your 6'10 guy, like these unicorns. Like I would, I, I would burn a pick on Michael Porter Jr. all day long, hurt back all that. Hoping that he could be what fill his full potential, rather than drafting him big. And when you look at when you look at those guys that are unicorns, they're called unicorns because they just don't exist very often. This draft probably has three of them that I can think of right off the top of my head: Marvin Bagley the third, who is going to make some GM look very, very, very stupid. Anybody that doesn't take him with the first pick in the draft. Is going to look like an idiot down he's the road. He's the Jason Tatum of this year. I that's, think he's better than Tatum. That's why. The well, no, team, I'm saying because he's going to get drafted. If he's not number one, he they miss. Yes, and Brandon and I have been back and forth on this a little bit. I am here to say, and and I've been waiting all week for Bricky to be here so I can get his spin on this because obviously you've seen both of these guys play a lot of basketball. Jason Tatum, we said unequivocally last year going in the draft. Best player coming out in this draft, period. You have to take him number one. Boston got him at three, stole him money. The thing that I will say about Marvin Bagley III is I have never seen Jason Tatum do something on a basketball court that I have not seen Marvin Bagley do. And in most cases, I've seen Bagley do it better. He's a little bit more life and athlete. He is a more willing rebounder and has a low post game. And you can talk about that on the other side. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. Thanks for listening. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina.
I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hey Clarice, can we please put on the new Justin Bieber album? Hold on, Dad will be mad if we don't listen to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Alright, welcome back. We're talking about Marvin Bagley the third and other draft possibilities at the top of the draft. And I made the statement before the break that I think Marvin Bagley III is an even better pro prospect than Jason Tatum. The one knock against Bagley, and I think that it has more to do with the construct of the Duke offense in 2017-18 than it was in 2016-17, is that Tatum shot more three-pointers than Bagley did. So we had a clearer picture just by the volume of shots of what Jason Tatum was as a shooter. Bagley was actually a more efficient three-point shooter at the same size, a little bit different body type, but Bagley just wasn't a volume shooter. Shot a little less than two three-pointers a game while he was at Duke, but I saw enough to know he's got nice touch. He can get you off the dribble. He can play close to the rim. He's obviously going to play good defense and good and, and be a good rebounder. And both of, the other thing that I like about both of these kids is they just seem like awesome human beings. And that cannot be understated. You see Josh Jackson is out in Phoenix. I've seen enough of him in the NBA to know this dude will not be a star in the league. Um, There are other guys around there, and I'm not trying to disparage anybody, but there is a lot expected of these guys and to, to fit in and to work hard and put in the energy that's necessary and respond well when things are good, things are bad. There's a lot to be said for that. See, MB3 is the type guy to me where I'm like, that's the kid I want on my team. I think he's totally different player than Jason Tatum, though. Like when I see him, they look like two very different players. Maybe it's because now I've gotten a chance to see how Tatum's game translates into the NBA. But Bagley looks like he's in a video game. He's like all hundreds across the board. So it's kind of hard for me to draw any kind of comparison. At well, see, all. that's what I thought. I didn't even think of Jason Tatum when I watched yeah. Bagley Jr. the third or Bagley the third this year. I mean, I thought he was way much better than Tatum. Two, wow. I got I, all right. Let's let, the, let's let the Duke guy. No, I think what you were saying is they could have similar skill sets, although they play different positions. Bagley can step out and shoot the J, although he didn't shoot a lot of them. But he's got a nice touch. He's got to work on his free throws, but. Skill set wise, uh, Tatum has maybe got a better little handle, but Bagley can get you 15 rebounds. You can't put a price on a guy that get 15 rebounds on night. I don't care if he doesn't score. I mean, that's what we talked about with uh, Draymond Green. Oh, please uh, share your thoughts about Draymond Green. Well, my question during the yeah. break was. Is would he be the same player on any other no. any other team? But he talks like he is some elite player. 
And really, all he's got to do on a night-in, night-out basis is defend and rebound. If he scores, bonus. If he gets some assists, bonus. But, dude, you've got the best job in the league. Is he the modern-day Dennis Rodman? No. He's he's the modern-day Ben Wallace. Oh, okay. Ben Wallace was the The glue that held those Detroit teams together. And then Ben Wallace chased the money, and everybody was like, oh, damn. Draymond Green exists other places in the league. Kenneth Fareed out there in Denver. Denver hasn't figured out what to do with him. And I screamed at the top of my lungs, Cleveland, you're looking for pieces to add? Go get Fareed. Fareed is a guy that will finish on the break, play defense, get you 15 rebounds a night. He doesn't need the ball. Denver doesn't see the value there. There are Mark Jackson first and Steve Kerr second saw Draymond Green and they're like, oh, God. First of all, this guy is a willing, able, undersized defender who will get in there and bang, can run, finish the break, and oh my God, if we need him to hit a three, can do that too. It's a valuable piece, but it's not a franchise centerpiece. Right. You could take Draymond Green off that team, plug Kenneth Fareed in there tomorrow, not and they'd be speak. just fine. Yeah. Just fine. Tristan Thompson could be a guy like that, but Tristan Thompson doesn't want to work hard enough day in and day out. I think this got something to do with the Kardashians. Well, the Kardashian the curse is in full effect. But Draymond Green is so important to that team. Yes. Because he creates a mismatch. You're big down on the defensive end. If he's got to chase Draymond Green all the way around the three-point line, now all of a sudden you've opened up that lane. Right. He creates a matchup match problem. But, no, if you put him in a place where spacing <coughs> is, is an issue – and he can't get out there. I, I don't think he's a piece. I, yeah. Dennis Rodman. Um, I mean, people, all these teams through history. Think about um, Charles Oakley. Those they all have guys. those guys. Yes. You know, everybody has those guys that you're not going to go to them to score you points, but they're going to out-hustle or mentally mess with That's you right. or be that and, wild card. And, and Bricky said it perfectly. If he comes out and has 25, bonus. Oh, yeah. yeah. Bonus. Yeah. You probably got blown out if yeah. Draymond Green got 20 Because he had uh... – I didn't watch, check the box. Double digits yesterday. But the but the game before here like five points. Yeah. So you know, I don't get me wrong. I think he's valuable, but I think he thinks he's better than he is. Well, and and from a chemistry standpoint, his teammates allow him to think. Right. He's in the in the conversation with Durant, Curry, Thompson, Draymond Green is a distant fourth, and I would venture to say. If I was a general manager, to me, Andrew Iguodala is more important than Draymond Green. Right. But the team, it works because they're like, yeah, let Draymond be at the center of the podium he's in these like, press conferences. They don't care. He's like that family member that – well, let's go back to basketball. Like, You've had to have had a player on your team, Robert, that talks like he's the leader of the team and everybody right. high rolls. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And he's good in spots because he can go and like give a hard foul over here, and he can act a fool and take the pressure off of you. But sometimes you just get tired. Of it. You know, like yeah. it's, it's like, like tolerate on our show because Kaplan comes in here and we all roll our eyes, <laughs> and then we're like, "Yeah, that was astute analysis, Dave." And he runs. No, I'm playing. I, I, I don't swear. Dave, I'm playing. I never roll my eyes at you, Dave. <laughs> I love you. 
Kevin was like, I'm the fifth guy in there. I fight like, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He ain't Tiger but, Woods. But, it ain't golf. When the golf segment rolls around, he's we have the to number have one him. guy. And if he can well, contribute in a basketball or a football segment, bonus. Bonus. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Exactly. Oh. Diamond Dave Kaplan is the Draymond Green of this <laughs> well, team. Yes, as sir. A, as a big LeBron James fan, Draymond Green single-handedly lost that championship yes, two years ago. He did. Like – he disrupted the whole rhythm of that series. Well, he changes and, the spacing because now when you take him out and you've got, was it Bogut at the time that they had? Who was the big man that was there? Yep. Andrew Bogut. Bogut. Yep. And, and you take, now all of a sudden, you don't have to respect him going out to the three point line. When Draymond Green, it changes the spacing. And that's what the NBA these days is all about. I, I feel. I have an inferiority complex when I make statements like that because I'm always looking to Bricky for validation. I'm like, did I get it right? Did I get it right? Did I get it right? Do you agree? I agree. No, I'm validated. Are you good? Well, and, and uh, I guess what frustrates me about him is he's always running his mouth. Yes. He thinks he's better than – I mean, just <laughs> – I guess to be an old act. And you're not a rookie. You've been in the league for some years now. Grow up. Do your job. You can still have fun and run your mouth a little bit, but you go technicals, getting kicked out of games based Dude. on the number of technicals. You're too old for that. Rodman dressed in drag, man. Come on. But Rodman was a bigger distraction. He was actually the best but, help but that the Rod- ever got. But to your – I think they're similar. He's a poor man's Rodman, except when you get to Rodman's mindset. Rodman never mistook him – so, uh, mistook himself exactly. for a star. But no. here's the other thing, too, oh, though. But is Draymond like a is star. a fake tough guy. Everybody in the league was scared of Dennis Rodman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dennis Rodman was a legit power lifter who was stronger than anybody around. And, and Draymond Green... But he was nuts. I think Draymond <laughs> Green is a, an actor. <laughs> yeah, Rodman yeah, was yeah, Rodman nuts. He was crazy. Legit. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's different. And, and the thing with it is, and I think the reason that there's this, this tension between... Uh, Draymond Green and Charles Barkley is Charles Barkley is like I played with Rick Mahorn. Right. I played with Charles Oakley. And an era I played that was with Dennis tough. Rodman. Those cats would fight you. Antonio Davis, Dale Davis. So, those boys would they would fight you. Last well, the night, night Green is sc- living in this bubble where he's like, I'm gonna show my behind. Right. But ain't nobody gonna Last night. No, go ahead, Brent. The scariest thing on earth is a crazy dude. Yeah, oh yeah. Don't know. yeah. I mean He's yeah. unpredictable. I'll it, fight anybody stronger than me, but if you're crazier than me, nah, yeah. I'm going to tell you right now, Trent, if Sean Powell was crazy, <laughs> that dude would be the scariest person on your like your hit list. Yeah, I would take him. I'm crazier than he is. But last night, Charles Barkley, the first thing he asked KD on the, uh, the post-game interview was, uh, is Draymond Green as annoying in person as he is – that's you know, funny. on the court. And KD goes, why don't you ask him? He's downstairs. Barkley was like, no, no, I'm good. Like, he oh, doesn't dude, want to meet him in real let life. Let me tell you something. Barkley would make short work of that oh, day. Would. Barkley would. <laughs> real tough guy. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And and that's where I, I, Barkley in particular, and I, I some of the stuff is contrived in the NBA coverage and the rest of it. Kenny Smith gets on my doggone nerves. I'm going to yeah, lie. Yeah, me too. Um, I do think the technology is awesome Tar when he goes onto the court. But the thing with, with Charles Barkley, Barkley, his disdain for Draymond Green is a, a real thing. Well, you know where it started, right? No. Somebody compared uh, Barkley, uh, Draymond oh, Green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And Draymond Green obnoxiously dismissed it as yeah. like, like, and that's to, that's to and Robert's no. point. Like, who and is he, this dude? And he, he probably put, needs a history lesson because those younger listeners, and I know we've got some some high school aged folks that listen regularly. Charles Barkley, Lord have mercy, was a dude. monster. Remember the one ju- of the best fifteen players mm-hmm. in NBA history for my money. I, I was telling Brandon Barkley six four. Yeah. And dominated in on the, the post. Block yes, at six four. Yeah, never seen that before in my life. No sir. And but, so, up to your point, you dismiss a top fifty all time player. You better go back and watch some film yeah. on that guy and check his stats. Draymond Green can get fifteen rings between now and then, and will never we'll be never half be the, the player. player that Charles Barkley yeah. was. And ever. people, people look at. They remember Barkley as the round mound of rebound. That dude had ups, too. Yeah, yeah. he was a, a ridiculous athlete. He was unstoppable in the post. I'm not a role model. Got half an hour to go. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. Email us at cheapseatradio at gmail.com. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Welcome back to The Cat Show. Up next, we have Nico. Nico is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right. A group known especially for their sunspot sleeping, ball chasing, leg rubbing, and of course, companionship. Just look how she struts. It's like she owns the place. And see how she curls up and cuddles her person. The pitch on her purring is simply perfect. Nice one. Fantastic cat. But really the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Nico is to meet one. Visit theshelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. All right, half an hour to go. Thanks for hanging out from the cheap seats. I think I said I was going to tease a trivia category and f- completely forgot about it. In honor of Everett coming into the uh, studio and dropping knowledge, I think I'm going to do a category called the U.S. Postal Service. How about Carl Malone questions? Yes, I like that. I like that. Okay, we're going to do both of those. We'll do Carl Malone. We'll do a we'll do a Utah Jazz slash Carl Malone category, and we'll do a post office category, which could be kind of racy. No, we'll do a uh, we'll do a USPS category, and in uh, in honor of this check that came in while we were sitting here, this is the Sanford Herald. Thanks, guys. Good looking out. That's our last of our sponsor checks for the dodgeball tournament which I need to get hot on and get turned over to uh, Jonesboro Rotary. That was a really cool event. We had a lot of time. I wish you had not had a tryout and could have stuck around for right. it. We had, a, we had a blast. It was cool. And, Trent, you were like in restaurant hell and unable to make it either. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, it's so long ago, I can't remember. I think 
<laughs> think. Yeah. My team won. I just couldn't remember. But, yeah, they did. I was looking over and saw my trophy and was like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, we did win. Well, you know, I was about to say he pulled a Kevin Durant going to Golden State. But he actually pulled like a more of a David West. Oh. Going to, go, to Golden State. He got on. That is a fair analysis. I did take a pay cut and was like, let me jump in with these guys. I, I just want to ring. I think it was Looney. Actually, I just want to ring. Kevin Looney. Yes. Golden State. Yes. Um, I don't think ugly. we gave fair time. We got lost in the whole wingspan Mo Bamba, and then it turned into a Draymond Green type conversation. But Trey Young, my point being, I think that by the time this draft process is said and done, that none of the NBA GMs are going to fall prey to the Trey Young hype. And when I look at the mock drafts that are out there now, I would like to think that NBA talent evaluators are smart enough to not fall for the hype for this created entity that ESPN created. Now, to be fair, we are talking about a kid that led the NCAA did he, did he wind up the season leading the NBA or leading the NCA in points and assists? He averaged 27.5 points a game and 8.9 assists a game. So he did not lead the NCA in assists by the time it was all said. I'm not sure. Correct? We need to look that up. At one point he was out there and he was averaging like 12 and a half assists, <laughs> but he had that stretch in non-conference play where he was amazing, but lots of guys did. Now when I look all of that said when I look at potential point guards to play at the next level, who are the guys that are out there? Because this NBA, when you look at these teams that are that are making these deep runs into the playoffs, you have to take Golden State out of the equation. You have to take Cleveland out of the well, not Golden State because they've got Curry, but you have to take Cleveland out of the out of the conversation because everything revolves around. LeBron James. Boston is the last of the legitimate, you know, real teams in the NBA. But by and large, of the 16 teams that are in the playoffs, probably a dozen of those, their offense begins with their point guard. You're talking well, about a scoring point guard. First of all, rule of thumb, if I'm a GM, and I'm telling you this, Brandon Atkins' body, if I can post you up, and think I can be effective. Not, maybe not today, but back in my heyday. Mm-hmm. Take Trey Young. If I can post you up, you're not going to be on my NBA squad. I'm six. I'm six foot and a half. Whatever. I'm just short of six so you're foot the same one. Height. So That's like Trey Young. If I could, if I could get down on the post, post you up, get the ball, and get a shot off, you're not going to be on my NBA squad. See, well, that's why I think he's going at number eight to the Cavs. Well, because they will dig their grave and lie. I hope they it. do. LeBron won't Maybe. be there anymore. I know, do it. exactly. Okay, I, I'm here's my question. I guess as it applies to this draft class, I think that the two point guards that are out there are Colin Sexton from Alabama, who kind of came off of everybody's radar and propelled himself, and he has hair that looks like Sonic the Hedgehog, which to me is kind of cool. But you've got Colin Sexton, and then you've got Shea Gilgis Alexander from Kentucky. Now, we're talking about a guy that's legit 6'4". To me... Both of those guys are a superior. 
superior NBA talent to Trey Young. And frankly, I feel like if I took either one of those guys and plugged them into that Oklahoma team, I think that Oklahoma team is better than they were with Trey Young. I'd take Devontae Graham over Trey Young. I, I, you know I, what? I would, too. I would, Graham. too. And Devontae Graham is the type guy who I look at and I love him as a college player. Right. I think he was tremendously underrated throughout his NCAA career there. He kind of got lost two years ago with Josh Jackson in this past year with the you know a couple of big guys in there. But Devontae Graham has the same problem Trey Young does. And the reason people look at Devontae Graham and they're like, well, he's not going to be an NBA player is because he's six foot, one half inches. Right. Well, he is six foot, one half inches, and he outweighs Trey Young, who is the same height, by about 25 pounds. Well, can I, can I jump in here sure. in terms of the draft? We get so enamored with the guards coming out into the draft because they're so important to college runs in the NCAA tournament. But I look at them much like bigs. Like, you have to find the exact right, perfect fit, point guard and a big. And I'm going to give you an example of why I would never take a point guard unless it was like the best thing since sliced bread or a big like, if it was Shaquille O'Neal, Anthony Davis, obviously you take that player. But if they're just the best available player, I pass on both of those. Let me give you one example. Michael Beasley, right? Coming into the league, he was thought to be a bust. Mostly, he never fulfilled his entire potential. But now he's, like, balling. But wait a minute. And, and like, so even if you, if you miss on Michael Beasley, who was picked second – then you have more ability to like be able for for him to be able to actually contribute on a team. If you miss on a point guard, they're out of the league in three or four years. Okay. If you miss a on a big, they're out of the league in three or four I years. I think Beasley's contributions have had a lot to do with the fact that the league does not have weed policy in their <laughs> drug policy. That is <laughs> that is a fair statement. Now, the thing that people don't recognize about Michael Beasley is Beasley is the type guy when it became chic to go back and project these kids when they were in seventh grade, eighth grade, as to who's going to be that next superstar. We became acquainted with names like Michael Beasley and LeBron James and Sebastian Telfair. The only one of these guys that made it to the top of the mountain, and, and Jonathan Bender. These guys, we've known about these cats since they were in seventh grade. The only one of these guys that became a household name, Hall of Fame type player is LeBron James. Michael Beasley, before he got to K-State, basketball fans knew who Michael Beasley was. He was supposed to be the next Jordan. And yes, at this point, all these years removed. What's he been in the – he's been in the league almost 10 years, hasn't he? Yep. He was drafted in 2008. And so – 10 years. years. Beasley just now has become a good ball player. You're talking about a guy that's in the middle of his career, 28, 28, 29 years old at this point. But isn't that a good miss? I mean, he's been with different teams. It's an okay miss, but if I'm picking one, two, or three, it means my team sucks. You can't partially hit on one of these guys. Right. So you've got to be bold enough to make the pick. And you need a guy that can come in and instantly make your team better. Unless you're Philadelphia and you just want to hoard these guys and stick them on IR for a year or two, 
which is what's happened. And anybody out there that wants to say trust the process and Philly is the new way to make this thing happen, shut up. There are two aberrations in terms of how to create a winning franchise. One is Philly, who hadn't won anything yet. Now, looking forward to next year, based on what they do in free agency, you go add a Paul George to that Philly roster. I think LeBron is a pipe dream. And I'm not sure it's a great fit anyway because you're talking about bringing in a ball a dominant once, forward. He's once in a lifetime, though, too. You know what I mean? Well, but let's say, well, who are you talking about, Ben Simmons or LeBron James? LeBron James. Okay, LeBron is. But if you take LeBron and you send him to Philly, I've thought a lot about this. You're taking a ball dominant forward and adding him to a team whose greatest strength moving forward is a ball dominant point guard, I'm not sure the chemistry is great because you're neutralizing what Ben Simmons can do for you. Now, if you add him there, you may have a run of a year or two where where Philly is all that, but you also have to give up a lot because it's going to cost them, you know, guys like Sarich and Covington and maybe even Fultz because of the salary cap. A list of teams that Beasley's paid for, and I'll get off of that. LeBron ruined his career, too, because he got drafted to the Heat in 2008. So, according to Trent, probably he ruined his career, too. He did. Now he's good. So, Miami Heat, Minnesota Timberwolves, Phoenix Suns, Miami Heat again, Shanghai Sharks. (laughs) Miami Heat, Shandong Golden Stars. So, my point, and then he came back to the Houston Rockets, and now he's totally screwed because after Milwaukee Bucks, now he's with the Knicks. So, that's where every good player goes to die. But my point is – is that your point guard or your big, once they hit the Shanghai Sharks, they never get back into the league. <laughs> right. Fair enough. So you got a player, you, you have that body type that it, it's, it just, it's an easier pick to make. Nobody's going to argue. So if this big doesn't work out, Trey Young, had, I, I think he's not even a second-round draft pick. Like I, I think he's horrible. I think Trey Young is the type guy that – you could do with or without on your team. I think if he's if Trey Young's the eleventh or twelfth guy in your rotation, you you may be okay. But if you're counting on this guy to come give you quality minutes, I just don't think it's it's a winning well, formula. He, I could be wrong. He had the ball in his hands so much at Oklahoma, and he's not going to have that opportunity at the next level. And what is he going to do in fifteen minutes to help your club? He hoisted a lot of bad shots, so his shot selection is questionable. That has to do with coaching. Now, he can pass and do some other things, but if you're only getting eight touches, you're just not going to be able to give a team much in that limited amount of time. Agreed. And the thing with when we talked about Curry, and that's the guy that these people want to equate that this kid to, when you look at – when you watch Davidson, when Curry – got to the point where he was playing important basketball. The basketball IQ was off the charts. And yes, he was taking deep threes, but I never saw Steph Curry at Davidson. And I'm not pretending I was a guy that watched Steph Curry at Davidson and said NBA star. I knew knew from the very beginning. I knew that he could play in the NBA and thought maybe he would be a Kyle Korver, Craig Hodges type guy, but never thought he had – the handles to be dominant the way he is and has been. I agree. I'm Robert picking. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. But but here's my thing, is when I watched him at Davidson, and I watched him a lot at Davidson, I never watched him do something and felt like he's doing too much. 
Well, he's yeah. taking bad First shots. He's highly efficient. Even yes. when he handles the ball, he'll give it up. He's in the offense. So his time of possession with ball in hand is not great. But he's very efficient and effective with when he well, has to. And his, the thing, the part of his game that is underrated. I'm going to throw it back to you, B. Okay. I see you rolling your eyes at me. But the part of his game that is underrated is how he moves without right. the basketball. And it's akin to Tayshawn Prince, Rip Hamilton, guys like that. We'll talk about it on the other side. Brandon is actually going to bring us into the last segment. Love you guys. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Kiramutu. Todos. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. My name is Forrest, Forrest Gump. My mom always told me you don't have to sit down close to see the action. Sometimes it's better from the cheap seats. And that's all I gotta say about that. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Okay, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats with Krista Lambert, T. Nichols, Robert Bricky in the house, and myself, Brandon Atkins. And the point that, um, Chris is, you know, he's throwing it to me because he thinks I was pouting because I was trying to jump in on a point. But, you know, God, you know, it's like I have a better chance of making it out of the water being cut in a swarm of Mako sharks than jumping in on some of these conversations. But what I was trying to say is you make a great point, Robert, about Steph Curry's efficiency versus Trey Young's because – Steve Kerr was mic'd up. I watched one of the games. I think it was game one of the Houston Rockets series. And he's over there talking to Steph, and he's like, hey, listen, just keep doing what you're doing. It's going to be all right. You, you know, you're not making turnovers. You're in all your spots, blah, blah, blah. And then the announcer said he's talking to a guy that's four for eight with 11 points in the first quarter. <laughs> that's a great problem to have. Right. Trey Young's not going to be that player. He's never going to be that player. So right. why would you even entertain – Going back to another Oklahoma Oklahoma Sooner for all us old guys, remember Byron Houston? Mm-hmm. Everybody, it's like the ESPN curse. Like they latch on to these some of these players. Byron Houston was supposed to be this huge big. I think he ended up being what what six four or something like that. Never made it in the league. That's Trey Young. If you draft this guy, dude, you're you're asking to. Be in the cellar for a very long time. Now, what, let me co-tell on what Please you said land. about Curry. Curry, in the last five years, has had the most shots of any guard in the paint in the league. Wow. That's now, an amazing stat. We focus on the threes because he's an unbelievable shooter. Yes. But he moves so well, as well as he uses his jump shot to set up his drive. So he's a triple threat. Unlike Trey Young, Trey Young, I just saw him. I saw him take thirty-nine shots in a college game. Now, when does your coach say, "Wow, <laughs> dude"? Well, and for the other four dudes, and we got to catch him in the locker room and, and have a well, conversation. Well, here's the other thing: is is the thirty-nine shots is one thing, but time after time after time, once they got through that non-conference schedule and they started playing basketball that mattered, you saw these 
ridiculously bad threes go up. But the other thing is the thing that made the highlight reels for ESPN night in and night out were these kamikaze runs into the lane where he got up in the air without having made up his mind and was able to make a wraparound pass or a dish to somebody. But what they didn't show was the half dozen times that he did that thing and made a bad decision. You well, and they don't did, get away with that kind of bad decision making they, time they did, in and time out. They didn't start showing his bad stats until they started losing. Right? Yes, and you know what I mean. A, yeah, they went on that streak. Yeah, and all of a sudden he was shooting like six for twenty-two, and they lost eight in a row. Or well, at some point early in the season, he was shooting like forty-two percent from three-point land. Yeah. That fell off way off, and I and I saw. I saw articles. I was actually looking at some stuff a couple weeks ago and getting ready for the combine, looking at some things. And there were articles written at in the middle of last season where they were like, you know, this is why Trey Young should be the number one player in the draft. This is why Trey Young this. Dude, you have to look at the entire body of work and you have to project 160 pounds, 82 games a year. That dude is going to get beaten to death. Right. And, yes, there are some undersized guys that come from off the radar. Damian Lillard being right at the top of the list. Nobody saw this kid in college and thought, NBA superstar. Right. So can we go around the table? I want to hear something from you guys. Who do you feel like should be the number one pick in the draft, and who's the steal of the draft? Oh, can I start? Yes. Bagley. <laughs> the number one and the steal? The steal of the draft, to me, Dante DiVincenzo. Okay. Bricky. I'd say, I'd say number one pick, uh, I'm Eaton. You'd like DeAndre Eaton? I mean, Eaton. Fair Aiden, enough. Yes. Okay. And steel. who's your steal? I don't know yet. I haven't done enough research. And and before you, before you do that, I do want to qualify this. I haven't seen enough Luka Doncic to make an evaluation yet. I will make it my goal in life for the next couple weeks. I'm going to seek out every minute of tape I can find on Donkic. You know what I like about him? He reminds me uh what's the kid at with the Knicks? Unicorn. Porzingis. Yeah. But he's a more fluid player than than uh, uh the big kid. And Porzingis. But, but Porzingis. But he's he's got a he's got a great he plays like a guard, like a legitimate guard. But and that's at his side. I mean, he's got he's, he can handle, finish, dish. That's one of the questions I have, though, is the size. Yeah, Because they're listing him at 6'6". Six, six. I need to see him in context, and I would have to – not that I'm going to get the opportunity. I would want to put a tape measure on him. Right. Make sure he's – Because legit. he's listed at 6'6". Six, six, because if what he's doing, he's doing at 6'4", I'm yeah, not blown not away. Impressed, yeah. If he's 6'7", impressed. now I'm a little bit more well, impressed. I want – I want to hear Trent's picks. Yeah, I do too. Trent's back there. He's like, he's like, what? What's the best ability a player can have? Availability. This dude's Doncic, whatever his name is. He's saying, I'm unsure. I'm going to play in the NBA. Like, I mean, come on, dude. They asked him at a bad time though, because they're in the they they were in the middle of the Euro League finals and all that stuff, and they go to him. Of course, I I actually liked his answer because basically it was, (laughs) shut up. I'm focused on on this Right. right now, but that is. Something because those teams you're looking at Phoenix and and Sacramento in particular at the top Atlanta not so much you're looking at those two teams at the top those teams have a lot of young talent if you add the right player right now 
Those are playoff teams, legitimate playoff teams in Phoenix and Sacramento, in my eyes, if they hit it out of the park with this number one. You pull a, a Ricky Rubio and kick this down the road for a year or two where he stays with his European team, I don't know. Maybe if you're trying to employ a Philly-type strategy and let's hoard another pick or two, maybe that's the right way. But if I'm Phoenix, but I am living in fear of when Devin Booker's contract comes up. T. Nichols. I've got a very limited window. Who's but your number at, one and your sleeper? As you come in, are there any hockey players that are unsure about going to the NHL? The no. I mean, come Never. on. I'm not sure that Doncic is either. Like I said, it has to do with the timing because they're talking about it on the eve of the EuroLeague Final Four. See, hockey players get screwed because they sign these long-term deals at the KHL, so they can't go to the NHL well, until their contract's All right, up. so who you got as your, as I, your I number one? I agree. DeAndre, I think, is number one. DeAndre eight. Yeah. Okay. And then my sleeper is Landry Shamet. Landry Shamet. 6'4", 108-point guard out of Wichita State. He's tall, got size, real tough point guard. I think he's going to end up being a well, very good Well, if he plays at Wichita State, you know he plays good D. Yep. That's Brandon, who's your I like number that. one? <clears throat> My number one is Michael Porter Jr. Okay. Wow. It's wow. not even really close. What? I listen to basketball people. See, I like, think he could be a sit, steal, though. Sit Sitting. Yeah, he could be a steal, too. Yeah. So health. maybe he's both. It's all about health. I sit here and talk to these, my homies here. About basketball, but I will be honest with you, and I'm sorry, guys, but when Robert says something, I'd put a little more value on it. People around the game. Hey, Brandon. Bump you. People around the game and that have seen this guy close and personal said that he's from a different planet. But He's got bag problems. Huh? Who has? Who has seen him? Yeah. Oh, man, he he played a lot before he even got to – where is he Missouri. playing now? What? Missouri. Missouri, where they paid him more than Washington was going to pay him. But, <laughs> but I'm, I listen to basketball people, and that's my pick. Is that okay, Chris? Yeah, you is who's, your sleeper? Okay. who's your sleeper? My sleeper is Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, this let's dude. Let, let, let's talk about him. Please, let's talk about him. This dude was never able to really shine at Duke because of Bagley. And I'm, I'm interested to hear that I like set that whole thing up. I want to hear from you. I think he's I don't, he's just a hair shorter than Bagley. I think he's – you said he was back to the basket. I feel like he's got the potential to be forward, face-to-the-basket player, and he's not limited to having to chase down bigs. He's like one of these – I think is, – is he 6'10"? He's 6'8". 6'8", okay. He's if he was 6'10", if you'd have read my entire text I sent you the other day, he, he came in at 6'8 and a, and a hair, about 6'8 and a half. If he was 6'10 and a half, I'd be in love with Wendell Carter. But Wendell Carter is a little too doughy for me. 6'8. Yeah, 6'8. That kind of crossed me. LeBron, 6'9? Yeah. Yeah, but I hope you're not talking about the same body type. No, not not oh. nearly the same body type. Yeah, when, is he I, doughy? LeBron, when, it, when, when LeBron is all said and done, LeBron's probably 6'8. Wendell Carter, I don't think, can put the ball on the floor and run past you. I do think he has a nice, a nice stroke on the on the three, which I think is a little underrated. Let me just say this: Go ahead, you say whatever you like, and I want to hear from Robert, and I want to hear from Trent too. If he stayed at Duke one more year, number one overall draft pick next year, probably. I I would agree, 
except that he measured at the combine at six eight and change. If if uh. if Wendell, I thought Wendell Carter watching him play with the way he played around the rim, I thought Wendell Carter was almost six eleven. I really did. That's did the too. type game he has. Unfortunately, I don't think he'd be the number one pick because of all the other talent that Duke's got coming in. Well, well, well that remains to be seen. Now, along those lines, I'm going to say this too, and I have to get this on the record in the last couple of minutes. Kevin Knox is the forgotten man. Kevin Knox came in as one of the most ballyhooed recruits in the country. Kevin Knox was the center of gravity for the offense at Kentucky with all those all those kids out there. I think Kevin Knox, with his skill set, with his length his and his ability to shoot the three, his ability on the ball, Kevin Knox is going to fall somebody and, and be the greatest Christmas gift ever. Right now, the pundits are projecting him to be available at 11 where Charlotte picks. Let me, t- let me tell you too. something. Denver. Let me, let me tell you something. If Kevin Knox goes to Charlotte with the way that team is constructed right now, he will be your rookie of the year. Write it down right now. And that has as much to do with his ability to get on the floor. Write it down, Trent. Because Charlotte Charlotte has nobody that can do what he can let, do. Let me say one last thing, and I'll close on Wendell Carter Jr. Remember when Bagley went down with his injury, and it seemed like he was never coming back, and then they went on this run, and then there was this ridiculous conversation on ESPN about, are, is Duke better without Bagley? That was ridiculous. Wendell Carter started going off. There was room in the lane. There was room for his game. It's the same. It's exactly the same type scenario as when Demarcus Cousins went down for New right. Orleans. The game today is about spacing, and you're right that with two quote unquote bigs, it was too clogged and congested in the paint sometimes. And but I don't think that. Wendell Carter's game got any more dominant than Bagley's would have the other way. But that's an excellent point. We'll see you guys next week. Robert Bricky's got some hella ideas. Celtics in five. Celtics in five, he says. (laughs) Love you guys. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.